Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're going to be talking about some little tips that we can give you to uh, manage daily tasks a little bit more effectively if you're struggling with back pain. So hopefully you're going to find this really applicable um, to you and just to help you with managing those things that you're doing on a daily basis and avoiding getting uh, a sort of a more severe flare-up of your back pain. This is particularly important not only obviously when you're suffering from back pain but in those early throws when you're starting to feel better we still want to be careful so we don't get caught out and get a new relapse. If you're new to the channel then please do consider subscribing. We do go live every single weekday uh, it's your opportunity and today is no different to ask questions at the end of the sort of the main topic. Uh, so Lara's the other side of the camera. She'll be taking your questions as you go through as we go through the live stream and we'll go through those towards the back end. So with that being said, let's get into today's topic. So we've had um, quite a lot of questions from those in our Back in Shape membership group about how can I sort of manage daily tasks as I'm returning to them. This could be gardening, it could be, could be putting your child in the car seat, it could be uh, long drives, etc. So we thought we'd put together a sort of a three-step uh, process for evaluating these sorts of activities because we can go through each individual one, but the principles and the premises are the same. So I'm going to go through these sort of three principles for you guys. Uh, first and foremost, and then we'll get into a few specific examples, and then we'll go into the Q&A towards the back end. So these are there for you to sort of apply to whatever task it is you're doing. And I've got at the bottom down here a few tasks that we'll cover at the end. And if you guys have any specific questions, then please do post those in the comments and we'll address those at the end as well. So having principles is so much more important because it allows you guys to then evaluate the tasks on a daily basis yourselves so you've got one set of principles that's applicable to a number of different scenarios so it doesn't need to be different for gardening uh, as it does for lifting the shopping out of the car both of those are basically the same with regards to these principles and then there's nuanced differences that you can then make obviously bending down to pot a plant versus bending down to pick up the shopping out of the trolley, for example. So hopefully it'll make a good bit of sense, guys, and uh, we'll get straight into it. So the first one is recognizing the strain on your back. Recognize that you're about to do an activity that has the propensity to pose some strain on your back. And we always find this interesting that people will um, not, not so much the members that we have in the back in shape, but we hear about people that are more readily uh, able or willing to do activities such as gardening because it feels good, there's those endorphins going, than maybe doing some of or pushing through some of those exercises that we recommend um, you do to really strengthen your back. And that's partially because of the endorphins. Going in the garden, doing that sort of work is much, much, much more uh, strenuous on your back or lifting the shopping is much more strenuous on your back than doing those specific exercises exercises that we recommend, for example, in the phase two of the back in shape. However, people will more readily go into those because there's those endorphins going and we, we enjoy doing it more. There's positive things that are associated with it or you like to eat food and you need to get it home. So there is necessity in there as well. So just bear that in mind, but understand that the activity you're about to take or, or embark upon does put strain on your lower back. It is gonna, gonna create a little bit of force going through that section of your spine, and we know the area may well be injured, so we want to be mindful. The first thing is recognizing there's a challenge there. The second point is broken down into five practical sort of step-by-step -step instructions when you're about to approach this particular activity. And this is try to do the activity safely. And if you follow these five steps, you're not really gonna to go too far wrong. So the very first one is keep the lordosis. We know that we should have a lordosis in our spine. And that means we're standing up 
And if I demonstrate it to you guys as we go through these, as we're standing up, we're not tucking the bum under. A lot of people will uh, be given exercises to engage the core where they involve a pelvic tuck. We've mentioned this on previous exercises. This right now is why that sort of learning to engage your core by doing a posterior pelvic tuck and flattening your arch is not useful because if you do this to, to start the movement, that's a problem. So we want to start with a nice lordotic spine, a nice neutral spine. That's not to say stick your bum out excessively. It's just have a nice neutral spine. The second one is brace and engage your core. And this one here is we're going from out and we're drawing everything in. Nothing moved in the spine. Imagine we've got that corset round our midsection and someone's just pulled the, pulled the ropes tight. So everything goes from out to in and tight. Now we're engaged. Now we've got some proper support coming all around this section with a nice neutral spine. And we can do anything from here. The next thing we want to do is we'll take the example of maybe it's the gardening uh, that we're going to be doing. Let's pop that on the floor. We're out ready. We've got some plants on the floor here and we've got an engaged core, we've got a neutral spine, and then we're gonna use our knees and use our hips to get down on the ground. We're not going to be using our spine. So we've got to keep the neutral spine, engage the core, and then use our hips and knee joints to get us down on the ground or go down into that shopping bag to pick, uh, into that shopping trolley to pick out the shopping. That's a really important one because people often will engage and then they'll just go, over we go and that's a problem. We don't wanna be doing any of that. It's not good. The fourth one here is square yourself to the actual um, task that you're about to do. So I'm not gonna start off squaring myself to you guys here because I'm my workstation, my activity is here. And then I'm gonna just go, oh, well, we'll do that one next and go over here for a little bit. If you use it, if you're, if you're in, um, if it's the shopping example, which we'll get to later, you're gonna put the shopping bags in the boot and then you're going to turn around using your feet and then we're going to pick it up and then we're going to turn around using our feet and put it down i'm being a little bit silly with this but it, it it's that that momentary lapse in thought that means we just go from twist to in and that with flexion is just not a good idea that's how we injure our back and we have to know that the first time we tweak our back it's often not the worst it's the second one where we've got weakened structures then we do a silly movement and boom it really goes and that's when we're in trouble so don't have those absent-minded moments it is a little bit arduous to start with but if you can go through these steps you're going to do a lot better in the long term and it will become a habit um, the same way you see certain people walking on the street and they've got great posture you see others walking on the street and they've got terrible posture both are generally providing they haven't got any injuries per se will be equally as comfortable but one is much much better much much safer so you can get to a point where these activities these movement patterns are subconscious and they then become effortless and much less of a drain. So that's important. And then the final one here is know your limits in terms of time and or strain. So it might be that you've got, you know, uh, 10 shopping bags in the car and you've got to bring them in the house. Don't carry five on each arm. Take two or three, go in the house, come back out. Often we think that, oh, it's going to be a lot faster. It might also be doing some planting. I'll just twist to do these next five. But is it really that much effort to just shift along a little bit? It takes maybe two or three seconds to readjust yourself, to, uh, to maybe go one or two extra trips from outside to inside. But it's, it's, it's so much safer to do that. So knowing your, your, your personal tolerances for strain in terms of one-off strain, like carrying the excessive shopping bags, or time, it might be you've got to 
my brother had to dig some footings the other week and it might be you're going to dig the footings in three in three stints you might do one stint in the morning one stint later in the day and one stint later in the day as well spinning into three rather than doing three hours of straight digging a hole you're going to be in trouble afterwards so just having a little thought process there sometimes when the weather maybe for that example starts to come down you might be and it's raining you might be pressured into into speeding things up and well that sometimes does happen but try your best to time to, to consider the strain that's going through you and maybe break these activities up into little stints and have a little break if it's a lovely day like it's going to be today then you can pop out you maybe you're doing some work in the garden sit down have a cup of tea have a drink whatever it is have have a little snack enjoy the sunshine and then get back to it those sorts of things can be really helpful if we can just break up the activities it really does make a big difference and on larger projects maybe spreading them over a series of days rather than uh, rather than trying to cram it all in in five hours you know uh, in, in one stint maybe it's a diy project in the house for example so that's point two. I'll just quickly recap those those uh, those five steps. It's keep the lordosis. It's engage your core. It's use your hips and knees to actually bend and ankles, of course. It's square yourself to the load, the activity, the working station that you're working on. And then it's knowing your personal levels uh, or, or the personal demand on your body, either strain, one-off strain, a heavy load, get help, or a specific duration of, of load. And then the final point, point number three, is going to be, all of you guys, whether you're in the premium membership or whether you're in our free Back in Shape uh, program, you all have access to the phase one routine. That phase one routine is there for everybody. It's something we've done as a public service to help people when they're in crisis have a series of safe exercises and protocols that make sense to help them with their back pain. And if you've had a busy day, if you've been in the garden, if you've been prepping for a big meal or doing a stew or something like that, and you're in a, and you know you've done a little bit more than usual, go in, do the lower body stretching, use the towel, use the ice. That shouldn't, it shouldn't even, it shouldn't even raise as a question. You should know by now to actually go ahead and do those things. As soon as you finish said task, said activity, etc., you get in, you do your phase one routine. And, and what I would say is one final little bit of advice, adding in an extra couple of towels and ice combos. So that's the three to five minutes on the towel and then the three to five minutes of ice on your spine. Um, over the next maybe couple of hours, if you've done something particularly arduous, maybe you have revamped the garden or maybe you have revamped the house or you've been doing, you know, maybe it's Christmas Day, for example, in a couple of months, it'll, it'll be round before you know it. And you've been doing all that stuff. Maybe just jumping on the towel and a little bit of ice will help you after doing all that prep. So yeah, they're valuable tools. They take next to no time to do. For the majority of people, it, it's so easy to do and it's free as well. So hopefully that's been helpful. We'll just get into a few quick examples and then we'll go into the Q&A for you guys. So um, generally with the gardening, I've kind of already touched on the gardening and, and the other one. I'd say if you're in your own garden or not an, and not an allotment, use a chair. You have something out there that you can actually uh, put stuff down or lean on, especially if we've got dodgy knees. Now, some of you guys I know that do gardening and that sort of stuff may have issues with your knees. Put some knee pads on, take out a cushion, use something so that you can do this because you need to be able to use um, to, to be able to do this in a safe way if you're going to continue to enjoy this for the long term. So we want to be, be as proactive as possible and a consideration and have consideration for certain um, difficulties that one may have. So using knee pads and that sort of stuff can make a big difference so you can get down on one knee. But again, we're using the same principle. We've got maybe our plants that we're potting here or our tools that we're ready for weeding and our workstation is straight in front of us. We're getting that lordosis. We're engaging our core. We're using our knees to go down on one knee, maybe with the aid of a chair and support. And then we're squared off 
and we can take a nice wide base and then start doing our bits and pieces. Yes, we are going to have a little bit of bend because my arms aren't, you know, telescopic. They don't come out, but it's much, much better to be in this nice, strong position with a bit of support to do the work that you need to do or even without a bit of support, but you're nice and low and on the ground rather than trying to do it from up here like that. It's just going to make a massive difference for you. So that's the first one. Next one is kids in the car seat. This is much more difficult, especially if you've got a child that doesn't necessarily want to go in the car seat, but try and choose parking spaces that give you the space necessary. So it may be that if you're going to the shops, you might need to go a little bit further away and choose a spot where you've got a bit of extra space. A lot of the children's spaces, uh, parking spaces do tend to have, not children, the, the ones for parents with children. Children don't tend to park in the shops. Um, but when, a lot of those spaces tend to have a little bit more uh, space in the doors either side. So open the door wide, take your time, square yourself to that child seat, open it out, engage your core, bend from the hips, and it's just a hip hinge. It's something that people really struggle with. It's it's getting from here and going back like that. It's, it's that movement rather than rounding over like that. There's a big difference, and that's the movement that we do. And we can take a slightly wider wider stance, and then we're able to do these things. Maybe we're leaning on the top of the, um, on the top of the vehicle, we've got our hand on the top of the vehicle for a bit of extra support, or using your arm and using the support of the chair, uh, the actual main chair, whilst you're working on that car seat, and then obviously helping your child out of the car. That's that's sort of the best way to do that. It is a bit more difficult in certain, certain vehicles because you're having to negotiate the door, but take these principles and they will serve you well. Um, especially if you've, you know, you've got a wriggly, a wriggly child that doesn't necessarily want to play ball or is excited to get to wherever he's going or excited not to leave where he's been. Um, then we've got the shopping bags, super simple one here. Biggest bit of advice, I've already covered this one first. Put your shopping bags on the kitchen table. Don't put them on the floor because you're adding unnecessary lifting. You're taking them from the boot of the car maybe or from the bus or from the train or from, from the guy outside who's dropped them off more recently with the car door and things like that. Put them on your kitchen table because the last thing you need is you lift them up off the floor, put them down on the floor, lift them up off the floor, put them on. You know, it's a little bit silly. Think about this. A lot of people with their ladies anyway, with their handbags, they always come into the clinic and put them on the floor. Put it on a chair. You don't need unnecessary bending and lifting, especially if you've got back pain. So just think about that. That's the big one with shopping bags. And obviously, again, the same principles apply. Square yourself off, etc. We've got driving and working from a desk. I wanted to just add these last, sort of these last two together, bundle them in together. Using, the, 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 one of the main things for sort of, if you're driving for long periods or working at the desk is try and take breaks. Stop off at the service station, have a little walk around the car, but also use a small rolled up towel in the lower back. A lot of the car um, lordosis supports tend to go a little bit too low. So they actually help you slump into the chair rather than, so the supports tend to be sort of down here and therefore you they, they help you slump into the chair rather than being up here and supporting the lordosis. You can see the purple thing representing there. So, if, you, if, you, if you're in a car that's got a, um, a lumbar support, make sure you jack it up as high as possible, obviously depending on your height, but it needs to be in the right place. So do consider that. Don't just turn it on without evaluating where exactly it is. And then obviously if you're working at a desk, you can put that, um, that towel behind your lower back. That's quite important and that can help as well. Uh, and have your workstation all squared off um, and taking those regular breaks is really important. The last one down here was just cooking and prep. This is one that actually people don't really think about 
but when when spoken when when we talk about it they're like yeah no my back really hurts if i'm making a a stew or something that involves a little bit more preparation chopping of vegetables etc rather than a, a sort of a more quick meal maybe a sunday roast for example and one thing that helps a lot of people is and i know it's sitting down but sit down at the kitchen table and chop your vegetables put them on a, on a plate etc or in a bowl etc ready for roasting them or whatever it may be rather than being over those work surfaces because it's this position over the work surfaces or even this position semi-lowered for extended periods of time while you're doing whatever you're doing over here on the work surface that tends to bother people it's that almost lower draw bridge it increases the load through the spine and it held there for a long period will just give you back pain a lot of you guys will know this whether it's called sort of loading the dishwasher or whether it's washing up in the sink afterwards or even just watching the stew and making sure it's okay being in that position leaning over is not particularly pleasant for a lot of people with back trouble so try and do it sparingly what you can prep at the table maybe sat down where things are a little bit more ergonomic do that and then get it over to the hob or the, the, the you know the, the cooking station and cook it but just keep yourself as upright as possible and maybe just step away from it from time to time once it's cooking you can kind of have little stints in and out so you're moving you're not just in that semi lent over position for an extended period of time so that can really help and then sort of if, if we're taking it over to the dishwasher and that sort of stuff lean on the surface when you're doing it but use the same set of principles to actually uh, approach that task so that's pretty much it been through a few bits and pieces there. Hopefully the, the, the step one, two, three on here is gonna be what's really, really helpful for you guys because that'll be applicable to more or less everything that you're doing. So um, we're going to Q&A. Okay, awesome. Good morning, everybody. Um, those daily tasks that we did pick out, they were from questions that we'd received from members um, over the last sort of couple of weeks. Um, so not too much going coming through on the questions, but hopefully that's because we're covering a lot of it. I did want to ask you, yeah. um, uh, when you wake up in the morning, yeah. just getting out of bed, um, do you mind just kind of going through going through that, just in case someone, someone's missed that? Yeah, so a lot of people, um, it, well, firstly, if you're on the Back and Shape membership site, definitely check out the video that we did on this, because we did an explicit video of, of me going through this. Sleeping position. Uh, sleep, sleeping position, but then rolling out of bed as well, yeah. getting out of bed. Uh, essentially, what we want to do is we want to avoid that forward bending. So if you're lying on your back, you want to wiggle the hips, Give those a little wiggle left and right first and foremost. Don't twist, don't rotate your legs. That's a really bad one to do. But wiggle your, wiggle your bum, then roll onto your side slowly. And then what we're gonna essentially do is from the side position, we're gonna press into the, into the bed with our one arm and use the other arm to push as well as we rock our legs off the bed. So we kind of swing up into the upright position. Uh, once you are up, don't then lean forwards on your knees. Keep yourself up and right, and then when you're when you're going to go to actually stand up, you're going to engage your core, keep your back straight, and you're going to come up slowly and then walk around and do the various bits and pieces first thing in the morning. But if it's things like brushing your teeth, on the topic mm -hmm. of daily activities, you don't want to go in there and lean over and round over as you're doing it like the sink like that, and off we go, off we go. You want to make sure you're again applying these same principles to the uh, to, to the activity of brushing your teeth because first thing in the morning, the activities that we have to do are invariably at times when our back is much more vulnerable to relapse. And that's just because of the, the circumstances of waking up in the morning. Things haven't been moving for maybe six to eight hours. There's a little bit of swelling in that area, which is only natural. It is for anyone, even without back pain, there's a little bit less effective drainage in the lower back when we are still. So we're always going to be a little bit pumped in that area first thing in the morning. So we want to be cautious and careful. And uh, one thing that does help is if once you are up on your feet, just walk around a little bit, maybe go down, have your coffee 
whatever it may be, uh, first. That way, you'll be able to just slowly get rid of some of that excess fluid in the area and it'll decrease the vulnerability in your back. Okay, awesome. Yes, I was going to ask about uh, brushing brushing the teeth in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So glad you covered that. Right, Mandy's asked here, uh, is it very bad to sit on the sofa with your legs up and long um, and back straight with a towel in the correct place? I tend to do this in the evenings and I walk around each hour. Um, if you've got the towel in the correct place and you're finding that you've got the flexibility in the hamstrings to do that, then it's probably okay. Uh, the problem arises when you're sat in that position um, with the legs up, a lot of people don't have the hamstring flexibility. So as their legs come up to 90 degrees, you can do one of two things. You can have a semi-recumbent seated position. The problem with that is that unless your TV is on the wall, you're then going to do that with your neck, which has its own disadvantages for your neck. So bear that in mind, Mandy. Um, but if we're sat up straight here and we've got the hamstring flexibility and we've got the little towel in here, then there's absolutely no issue with that. I would always try and be fidgety. Fidgety is the best way to go because the act of sitting temporarily is not so bad. Generally speaking, if we're sitting correctly, you can, you are allowed to sit. We, our message isn't never sit again in your life for any extended period of time. But it is a case of when we are sat still for long periods, it has impacts on certain ligaments, tendons, etc. And therefore, if we're fidgety, we reduce the sustained stretch on these ligaments. So even being fidgety in the seat itself is going to be of benefit to you and the lower back and the discs and the ligaments and muscles in that area. So it's yes. worth just bearing on the wall. TV's on the wall, that's awesome then. That's gonna make, sometimes you have people where they have the TV on the floor and then they're literally like that, looking at the TV and you just think, goodness me, what's gonna happen to the neck? The back's okay, but the neck is, is not ideal. Uh, but you know, but if you're gonna do that, if it's once a week, it's not going to do any major damage. It's when it's that's the evening routine for three or four hours that it starts to become a problem. I don't know, sometimes, you know, if, you, if, you've, if you're ever lying in bed and you're watching Netflix, mm -hmm. you wake up in the morning and you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm aching. Yeah, but that's because when you're, yeah, when you're lying in bed though and watching Netflix, you've normally got the, the, the iPad yeah, on so your chest, really so you're like that. So that's really, over. that's really mm -hmm. extreme. I think it's le it's more difficult to be that extreme if you're watching it in the actual living room or sitting room. Mm -hmm. But that is another one. Because a it, lot yeah, of people it's a very bad one. Very bad, definitely for your neck. Yeah. Very bad okay. Um, Robin, I think that's actually Margaret has asked. I am so worried about hurting my back that I'm frightened to do anything. Everything we do requires bending, even brushing the teeth over the sink. Mm. Yeah. Um, I I am overthinking each movement. No. I think. Um, the one thing to be mindful of is if you've got a set of principles like this, you, the, the principles work. And in the early days, it, it is a little bit overwhelming. Just think back to when you were learning to drive. You know, you've got the clutch, you've got the accelerator, you've got the brake, you've got the gear stick, you've got your instructor shouting at you. You've got all the stimulation of all the things you're watching out on the road and it becomes a little bit overbearing. You're concerned you're going to hit something, damage something, your back being similar to another person or a car or something like that. But with time and practice at orchestrating and organizing those things, maybe it's these five points that I've mentioned here, with time practicing those things, and, and really adhering and spending a little bit more time on those things, you will find that they become easy, they become second nature, you don't have to think about them as much. The problem is that for the, for, for the years or months or days or weeks preceding the back injury, normally it's since teenage years, um, you've been not thinking, you've been autonomously operating under a certain set of principles, a certain movement patterns. And those are the ones that have ultimately lead to, to, getting, to getting a bad back. So if we can just 
start to change those natural movement patterns, like learning to drive uh, a manual car, they're a little bit more difficult, um, then you're going to find that those activities, those little checkpoints, that little list of five things here becomes a little bit autonomous. And then things like brushing your teeth, things like putting your socks on, those tasks will become less uh, daunting. And you'll know with a little bit of confidence and a little bit of success that actually you're really getting there and finding those, those, those tasks a lot more easy and a lot less worrying. Uh, for the long term and also it'll put you in great stead when you do recover because you'll be less likely to injure yourself again in the future it's worth the it's worth the effort right okay um kate's asked here brilliant um making beds when you have to lean over and tuck the sheets in etc it's the little jobs that you don't think about oh gosh making the bed i'm not sure how you can get around that yeah one. so the only way <laughs> this this will be an interesting one uh, the only way you can really get around that one is if you move your bed away from the wall which might involve a lot of lifting, which would come under the, is this, am I able to do this from a strain point of view? You might not actually be strong enough to move your bed away from the wall. If you've got a bed, your bed against one wall, then it's a case of put the sheet on one, on one corner and then walk around the bed to each of the corners and it makes it a little bit easier. But yes, if you oh, do- yeah, You have to lift the mattress. I feel you, like you should get someone you do, else but to if do you, this Well, weekend. yeah, but you, you, yes, yeah, yeah, there is that. But if we engage ourselves, the bed is generally no lower than this here, maybe a touch, a touch lower marginally. And if we engage ourselves, we bend at the knees, we come down. Generally, we've got a frame here so that we can lean on and we've got a mattress here so we can lift it up or we can come with the sheet over, pop it under, and then. but we've got a strong back here. Maybe you're coming down on one knee to do this in the mattress and you've got the sheet here, you pull it across, pop it under, lift up the mattress and then, and then slide it under like so. Just take your time mm. rather than trying to do this side and the other side at the same time or trying to lean over the top like that. You know, that's just a recipe for disaster. Those sorts of things are, but, but providing your, your mattress, your bed isn't up against one wall or two walls, which makes it almost impossible to reach the other side. It might be worthwhile you doing it that way and just slowly going around one corner at a time to make it a little bit easier. You might have a few instances where it flicks off the other side, but you, you might find it a touch easier doing it that way, yeah. uh, potentially. And um, Kate also did say she was going to ask about the brushing the teeth as well, leaning over the sink to wash, etc. When sitting, it's hard to do the task with reaching over. Uh, these last tasks also affect the neck as well. Yeah, yeah. There, there are difficulties because if you're having to reach, then that's going to put torsion through your neck. And I think the, those that struggle the most, I think, uh, are those that have back and neck issues. Uh, simultaneously because it does make it so difficult to do some of the things that are necessary for back mm -hmm. um, because the neck gets in the way and um, that is, is, is difficult to, to negotiate. Okay, brilliant. Um, Fiona said making my super, making my super king bed is my cardio. Yeah, that's going to be difficult. Yeah, especially yeah, if one's against the wall. But generally speaking, we don't tend to put those sorts of beds against two corners. So um Hopefully you can just walk around the bed, but that middle bit by the headboard is just a nightmare and I don't yeah. really know too much I can suggest about that, to be honest. Get someone else to do it for you. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> Get a willing volunteer who's going to make the bed for you. That That's always a plus. I mean, two, two, you know, was it uh, two hands are better than one or two heads are better yeah. than one? You know, having two people working on it together, it always helps. Okay, awesome. I think that is everything. Uh, Mandy just said thank you. Fantastic help this morning, awesome. which is brilliant. And Alex and uh, Richard have both said, yeah, great. 
Um, so yeah, I think that is everything. If we've missed anything out, guys, any sort of other daily tasks that you want some some help on, please do let us know. Yeah, yeah. Post post in the comments below, um, either on here or if you're in the premium back in shape, then post in there because we we always do those videos and things for you guys. It gives us good topics to do videos on, and uh, and it's good fun too. So, thank you very much for joining us, guys. Hopefully you found today's live stream video video helpful. Uh, if you are new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. If you find these videos useful, hit the notification bell so you know when we go live and you get the little notification from YouTube. That way you can find the live stream easily. I know some of you guys sometimes struggle with, uh, with the live streams when we upload them a little bit later. So if you've got that notification bell hit, you will know when we're next going live. We go live every single weekday uh, and we always do that Q&A at the end. So hopefully you found it helpful today. Have a great afternoon and we will see you guys tomorrow with another live stream.